Well, hello and welcome to the latest episode in the Wisdom Experience podcast with myself, Naomi Martel Bundock, and my co-host, Clay Lowe. Hello, hey, Clay. How are we doing? Well, I am awesome. How yeah, are you? I'm good. You're looking nice and summery and nice and cool over there in your tank top. Is there a tank top or a dress? It's, it's a loose cotton linen top. Okay. I could do with it being a dress. Um, I think I'm going to have to do some shopping. Yeah, um, I'm wearing my dress today. Yeah, my well, I was, garb today. I was say so. How amazing is that? I just love the fact that you're wearing your dress. But what I want to know is, how long is it? Is it above the knee or below the knee? Oh, it's all the way down to the ankles. Is it? So there's no chance of indecent exposure, as it were. No, no, it's all good. <laughs> it's all good. And I'm and, and, I'm, is, and I'm not being scarred this year, so. No, yeah. but, well, a kilt would be really heavy in this weather. Well, that's not what I meant. Like, you know, when they don't wear underwear underneath their thing. Oh, I, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm not free balling, as they say. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, well, I think that's absolutely awesome. Um, and obviously it is, as we are recording, a really, really hot day. And so you said... I look like I'm really cool. I'll be honest, I am really hot and not. So. Well, I know that you Brits don't really handle hot weather very well, but you got to remember for me, this is probably like a hot spring day in Georgia. It's not a summer day. <laughs> so this is just perfect for me. Um, Especially with the right clothing, which yeah. frankly, it really counts for a lot. You wouldn't but go actually, hiking it does, in it. But... It does make you want to just go out in the garden and get in your hammock and just have a lazy day, you know, mm. instead of working. Can't, we can't wait. I can't wait till this lockdown is done because we could have done this in the garden. We could have recorded this in person and in the garden, enjoy underneath the sun. It'd be great. Well, yeah. I think that definitely has to be done. That great. would be brilliant. So, what are we? What are we talking about today? What are we? What's on the topic of discussion today? So, today's conversation uh, essentially is about developing your own personal mythology or your personal story and for people who've listened to the last few episodes will have kind of followed us on our journey as we're evolving whoops sorry um the podcast and what we're doing and the personal mythology is something that's really well, I think it's really important. I know you do too. Um, and it's really about becoming conscious about the stories that, not just that you're telling yourself, um, but the stories by which you've kind of already framed your life. And they're so embedded in the unconscious that you don't even realise that they're stories anymore. Um, can, you but give generally, an, can you give an example? Yeah, I was just thinking. Just to sort of set a sort of frame. Uh, so anything that's keeping you stuck uh, and in fact before we came on as ever we were just having a chat um, and I was saying that I've outgrown one of my stories so you know my whole personal development business was built on the fact that uh, I had a baby when I was only six months pregnant he was expected to die uh, he survived but 17 years on it's been a long arduous journey in many respects um, but I've outgrown that. I'm not the person I was when I had that baby prematurely. You know, I'm a very different person in a very different place. I never expected to give up work. I struggled with that for a really long time. Now, I'm so grateful that 
you know, I've had such incredible quality time with both my children. So it's it's hanging on to old identities, actually. Um, we've also been on Twitter doing hashtag audio mo this month where you record an audio clip and you upload it to Twitter on a daily basis. And that's been a lot of fun. Um, and the last few days, as I'm recording this, we've been talking a lot about what's in a name and mm. how your identity is linked to your name. And that also... I would say links with you know your personal mythology. What can do you I, think? I was going to say one of the things, and, and there's two things going on in my head. But one, I was going to say that uh, you can think of stories. If you know, when, I guess when we say stories, people kind of almost think of some either made up thing, which it can be as well, but it could be true stories as well. But it can be things like your 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 story can be will be made up of your traditions your values, where you were raised, your religious beliefs, all these things are the stories that you've been um, socialized into that you now come to internalize and believe to be true. So therefore, they're true to you. And you make your decisions and you organize your life around the things that you you believe, the things that you value. Um, But all of those will have been fed by various different stories um so there's there's that i mean i'll take a, a and just think of well i'm just thinking of, a, of a, a really childhood one you know the tortoise and the hare story mm. and the moral behind that one you know so if you, even just things like that or, or snow white um uh, think about that narrative and the kids are watching that and snow white and you know prince and married and cinderella i mean all these stories that we consume as kids have these moral pieces into it that teaches a value, teaches a, a belief that we come to latch onto. But one of the things that I've been meaning to ask you as you were, that I was going to ask, in fact, I have it written down somewhere, but it feeds into this. And uh, and if people go back and listen to all the podcasts so far, not that there's many, this is what episode number five, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I think almost on every single one, you've, you've shared the, Naomi the mother with two mm. kids and one of the questions that I've had written down to ask you but I didn't send it to you was if you if who are you without that what's who's the who who is the you that isn't defined by being a, a mother of two kids and a wife so who's a you know if that was gone what's what would be the narrative then so I, like I don't know you outside of that construct and I know there's mm-hmm. other sides of you but those are sides that you not shared with me so I don't know I only know this version of you I don't know the other versions of you um and you know yeah so how yeah that that's been a question which I think ties into um this one of the things I liked about this this book which is where we're drawing this episode from the your mythic journey um, by Sam Keenan uh, and Valley Fox. It's called, you know, the subtitle is Finding Meaning in Your Life Through Writing and Storytelling. But one of the things that I like about the book is uh, he encourages you to try on, to let go to, to let go of any fixed points you have and be able to explore and try on all the various different personas that exist within you or ones that you would even you might not have but you would like to have but then just go ahead and play with it so i think it encourages you to let go of any fixed points that you may have entrenched yourself into i mean there's Mm. even sections in here where you know it asks you to you know be 
your degraded self, um, the one that you would be embarrassed or that fear and weakness and anger. Be that person, like really in, inhabit that and what will come out of out of that. And then, you know, it does the reverse, you know, what you, yeah. So, yeah, so that's one of the things I enjoyed. Um, and I'd be interested to know, and I know I'll kind of just bring that question on you. I, I don't know who you are, um, but before you answer the question, what would you say to me in return to that? What version, what, like I only say what I say, and so I don't know what you hear on your end. So what is the story that you hear from me consistently? <laughs> uh, <laughs> interesting. And at this point, we may uh, <laughs> dissolve the podcast and never speak again. I'm, I'm messing. Um, so the story I hear from you is you are a lone wolf. You do your thing in your way, the way you want to. Um, and on the surface, I guess that's it. Um, but that is very much on the surface. So, so deeper than that, you also are very committed to your self-development. You're very committed to personal inquiry, to working through things, to processing things. Um, I know that you explore and I guess I'm kind of curious as to how deep or how far you explore. Um, and I think, again, that's kind of by virtue of, of when we've met each other and um, and kind of our experiences in the time frame that we've known each other. Um, and I think we're both very much, well, you're further, obviously, on in, in the faiths that, that I am. But whereas my identity is very much as a mother because I've had to really, and it's hilarious, I had to work really, really hard take on the identity of being a mother um partly because it was a little too soon (laughs) because obviously I wasn't fully ready to give birth um but I had to work really hard to become a mother and then an advocate um and to find out who I am now and and that's actually you know a gift that I've had as a result of of COVID-19 which personally I will be forever grateful for it has given me three months of being able to really reconnect with myself whilst finding out I can do all of this be all of this whatever this is um, and still be with my family and still experience love and the flow of support and care and fun and enjoyment of being part of of you know my little unit so that hopefully answers both of your questions enough because i really want to dive into this no no i mean i think it's it's kind of all tied into each other isn't it this is what this book gets you to explore those things and then to start to to, almost to get you to re-remember some of your earlier um stories um, because we may be disconnected from those stories and to, again, to bring about a more fuller life for yourself, one that's more vibrant and alive. And, mm. and you're right. I mean, I think I hear people, you know, that whole lone wolf thing comes up quite often. Um, mm. Like some people are 
uh, surprised to know that I'm married and that I have kids because I don't mm-hmm. really talk about them. You won't really ever see me publicly tweeting about them or writing about them. They don't appear in any of of my writings. So they're not a part of that 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 narrative. You know, on Facebook, on the personal page, you know, birthdays and some of those kind of things, I, they kind of show. But for the amount that I post um they're not in that narrative and there's, there's reasons behind that um but they you know they don't appear in that so some people are, are surprised to to find that out um and then we probably talked about the fact of what what's driven the lone wolf scenario i don't know if we talked about it mm. on the podcast or off one but um, we haven't yet so i think yeah. it'd be good to share that well it's because my mother lost her mother when she was young um, like I mean, she was really young when she lost her mother, but she had to take care of her brothers and sisters because so she had a younger brother and two younger sisters. But she suddenly became the mom to all of them when her mother died. Um, I think she even had to drop out of school to sort of take care of them. Um, so two things: one, education was always very huge for her, so I was never allowed to fail at school. I couldn't get anything below a B. She would, you know, I would get. I mean, I would get. I get physically beat down if I brought home a C. If I got a B, um, yeah, I might just get a, a mental dressing down. So I had to excel at school because school was, she didn't get to finish school. So school education was super important to her. Um, but then the other thing was uh, the narrative that she left me with was that you can't depend on anyone, not even me. So at a very young age, she made me independent. I had to cook, I had to clean, I had to iron my own stuff. I had to make decisions probably earlier than most kids do Um, because in her head it was like well if I die then who's going to take care of you you need to be able to take care of yourself Um, but that narrative of driving always don't need to don't you don't owe anyone anyone anything you don't depend on anyone not even me was a constant story Mm. um, that she told to in her mind, which, you know, and I can understand it having gone back and had a, and examined that story because of what happened to her. She didn't want me to be dependent. She wanted me to be independent. So that was what she was, in her mind, preparing me for, um, to be that. Uh, and because she had to drop out of education, so an education was huge. So the story was, you know, education is everything. Don't you dare you know, be frivolous with it or throw it away or or what have you. So I had to excel academically. All good benefits that come out of that, but there's negative stuff that comes out of that that too. Um but yeah, then that so that's that's made up. Um and the third story and and it, which is why I do so many things, as you'll know, I've got so many different interests, hobbies, quick to go and learn something new. Her other third thing was you can do anything you want. Don't ever let anybody tell you there's you can't do something. You could do anything you put your mind to. So I believe that. So you say, so if I want to go learn how to, you know, do film editing, I just believe that I can go and learn it. And I can learn it on my own. I don't have to go to a school or do any of that thing. So that's another a gift that she left me in that instance. Mm-hmm. But it could have its own curse too because I never settled down on anything because I just believe I can do anything and so and all I need to do is go and learn it <laughs> so I'm never really yeah. latched onto any one thing because if I 
that comes up, oh, yeah, okay, I can go learn that. I don't have a limitation on myself about what I can be or what I can do or what I can can learn. Yeah. So, yeah, so those are my three <laughs> narratives that, I'm, that I live with. Um, well, yeah, and, and great to share because actually, I mean, they're three very clear narratives and you can see how they've weaved together. And, and obviously I know you better than some people listening to the podcast. Um, and so that is always interesting to see kind of the origin story, I suppose, yeah. to borrow or to use a, a film title. Well, that's um, good that you said that because one of my questions I was going to ask is what's your origin story? I have that written down in my notes for this show. <laughs> What's your origin story? Because part of this, which I'm sure you're going to get to these questions that he might have had in the one thing, is 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 about finding out your origin story, isn't it? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Go yeah, on. absolutely. Tell absolutely. us your origin so, story. What's, mm, Do you have okay. any strong so, narrative that you you know that has shaped your life? Be your pre-childbirth. So I, I know that that's very strong, the, the mother mm-hmm. and that narrative. What's her... Up until that yeah. point, what was the narrative that, that drove you to be who you uh, are, do what you do? So, great question. And I've actually, if I say I've kind of, I, I was going to say I've not necessarily thought of it as clearly as you have. Um, I think part of it is that a bit like now the, the person who gave birth to a, you know, six months, well, you know, when I was six months pregnant, is not now my story. Um, so, I kind of, it's accessing that in a way is quite hard my, my background is as again we've mentioned on the podcast so I am I'm Jewish but I'm not a practicing Jew um, and there are some elements of that that are really important and that link with yours actually funnily enough so you know um, the Jewish race really prize education study and education it's it's you know something that's really important um, for, I will say, thankfully for me, I, I wasn't expected to get high grades, which is, is great because I, I went to an academic school. Um, and whilst, you know, I'm clearly intelligent, what I'm not is academically intelligent. And I was surrounded by a lot of really lovely girls who were really academically intelligent. And I'm so grateful for that because they would always help me and kind of, um, if I say pull me up, um, they would not consciously do that, but they would just share their thoughts with me or I'd ask them for help, particular, my friend Georgina in particular, um, who I've known all my life since the first day of school. And she's just, she was amazing at helping me look at things in a different way or understand things. Um, and that's kind of going off slightly because obviously it's it's not related except for the education development thing. But actually, so education or study, and both of us, we read a lot. I mean, you've got a huge amount of books um, that, you know, I can see as as we're recording now. I used to read a lot. I went through a phase of not being able to concentrate on reading. I've started to read again now, Um, although now I kind of dip in and out of books. Um, The other, yeah, I mean, there's the strand of things that are really important to me. Friendship is really important to me. Um, and I have, I'm just, I think I'm really lucky. I have some lovely, lovely people who I, you know, who, who I would count as friends. Um, but in, so in terms of the origin story, but I'm, I'm no one in particular. I'm not, 
I was going to say I'm not a lone wolf like you are, but actually I suspect I am. So I don't hang out with the same group of people all the time. I like to see people. I like to check in with them. I like to see how they're doing. I will, you know, if I can help anybody, I will. And that was something that I really had to learn. What when, about the, the confidence thing? Uh, and belief in certain aspects. So you mean my yeah. pre- previous lack of confidence or, or diminished confidence? Yeah. Hmm. That's that's really um, a kind of tough question, I suppose, and and one where I, if you'd have asked me this maybe even last week, I would have felt very vulnerable answering it. Um, I'm in a very different place now, um, but from a so from a, a lack of confidence point of view, part of that came from the school I was at because I I you know I, I had nothing to to offer kind of that community um as it were although I was well liked you know I was voted house captain and um you know people people liked me people enjoyed my company you know I obviously have a warm and welcoming personality and a a compassionate character which I think if you asked any of my school friends um, you know, and I say even, you know, those who knew me since I was kind of four, they would tell you the same. So that's sort of a who I am. But the lack of confidence really came from not understanding what I was necessarily here to do. And a bit like you, trying to do too much or not trying to do too much, but because I wasn't clear, I would do lots of things as opposed to maybe doing a few things very well or very effectively. So I trained, I did, you know, four years as a, um, my, my degree is, a, a, I did four years as a, a primary school teacher. And I, I chose that particular degree because it was a BA, but with an ed in brackets. So when I finished it, you know, I was already a qualified teacher. I didn't have to do a PGCE or anything like that, but I didn't want to be a teacher. So I could drop the ed and just have a BA like, you know, anybody else did. Um I don't know if this is really answering your question. And I, yeah, kind of, I'm yeah. kind of like. Yeah, yeah no, no, that's because, good. I mean, I think, you, you know, as, uh, I mean, there would be some other questions that I would maybe poke at to go a little bit deeper, but I won't. I won't. I mean, not, not now because I know I kind of, well. It, it, I'm just it, not sure how useful it is for people to hear really at this point, I suppose. Well, I th- it, well part of it now is if you tie it into, because I think this is exactly what this topic of your personal story, personal mythology, I mean, think of the questions that he's asked, like, where did you come from? You know, why is there something rather than nothing? So, I mean, the, the nature of these kind of questions that he asks and going further down where he talks about there's, there's three countries with inside of you. So you've got your public self. And this is kind of what we were hitting at here. So there's a public self that I'm presenting to people. Um, but then there's the private self. So, you know, there's stuff that's going on in you know, your head that other people don't know what's kind of happening, what's going on. And then there's the self that's unknown to even you because maybe some of your public story you've become to believe is true. Um mm-hmm. And you're tied up into your public story because that's the narrative that you tell everybody every day. You know, this, what do you do? And so you, you you reinforce the public self often. The private stuff, you have your thoughts and maybe tied in, but then there's the unknown self. Um, so it's 
100% relevant what you've just talked about because I think even in you sharing your story there, you maybe shared a very public view of that story and some of the private stuff came out. So it's then, and not for, you know, for to say you're going to do that on here, but this is the challenge for people that will be listening to this. How do you, you know, what is that private conversation going on and how different is it from the public self that you do? Um, how different, how many different versions of the story of you that, that you tell based on who you're interacting with? How well do I know them? How well do I trust them? What are they going to do with the information? Um, you know, so, you know, think of, think of those versions of the story that you tell, like even you and I, we've known each other for a while, but I only know one version of, I don't know who you are outside of mom with two kids and a husband. I don't know anything else about you outside of that. I getting some, I'm getting, I'm getting some inklings of some other things that you, that you, that based off the stories that you tell, I understand there's some other things that are going on, but that's me seeing maybe when we talk about your unknown self, because we have a blind spot. So I see a portion of your story that maybe you don't see yourself, which um, you had a reaction to a question that I, I asked you in our, in our WhatsApp group chat thing, which is you can't tell who you are until someone else is listening. And your reply was, mm. what if I'm, you know, I'm beyond all that? And I thought, well, maybe she's missing the point of what that actual statement is. So even now that someone's listening and you're telling a story, if if people can't see you, but I can see, you can see that you're doing some stuff inside of your brain with that, that story version that you told us out loud. But what we didn't get to see, what was all the mental processing that you was doing, that you then convert it into some language that you wanted to share but what was the stuff that you didn't share that we didn't get to see that made up the narrative that you just told um and then because partly what um the authors of this book say is that you know if you want to really dig deep and find out the meaning of who you are you have to pick someone to listen to you whom you trust with that information that'll listen with an open mind and open heart so that you take away the filters that we filter to to others. So that that's what I've took from that question. You can't tell who you are until someone is listening. Um, mm. But well, what, what was your yeah? What was your your reaction? How come you had a negative reaction to that? Um, well, it wasn't necessarily a negative reaction, but I am just going to shut my window because okay. I don't think my neighbour is. Uh, doing his lawn but I do think he's hoovering his car out so I'm hoping that's not been too distracting for anybody listening and I am sorry so no, bear with me a minute yeah that's better right my pole hooked down um the, so the joys of, of recording a podcast in the lockdown home. situation, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. uh, my neighbour is retired, so yeah. in fact, we I live I live near a lot of retired people actually. So so yeah. So working from home uh, in this environment has been quite interesting since we moved here. And mm. um, so going back to your question, so who are you? Was it who are you? If no one's you, listening, yeah, you can't tell who you are until or are someone you is still, listening. You can't tell who you are. Yeah. And I kind of 
so my reaction actually is probably linked with the the confidence thing because in fact I suppose the whole or one of the main points of any journey for me and by that I mean a personal development journey is about finding out who you are and I think most people would identify with that whether they've gone on that journey to a greater or lesser extent um for me, it's been about who am I, which is the why I've got a lack of confidence, because, you know, I'm the kind of person who I will play whatever role is needed to be played in a situation. And and, and I don't mean that, you know, kind of, it, it certainly was never conscious. Um, but, you know, if it was a case of you're having a conversation with, you know, somebody in the pub and they share that there's they've got a problem and there's got a problem with their boyfriend maybe or what have you you know in that role you become a confidant but actually do you also kind of help them see a different way or are you simply a listening ear you know and and I would play whatever that role was and then you know I'd know I'd go home and um you know if if mum wanted me to make dinner um I'd make dinner and it, it's it's there are things that I don't want to go into on here because actually it involves other people which isn't fair um and that's that's if you're sensing any kind of yeah kind but, of blockage as it were but um, I think that's important too because I think why. partly what I was gonna you know even now as you know we're sharing things on here it's like how and just as you just said there so we we alter the narrative because one of the questions I also had on here was how you alter the story based off of who you are imagining is listening to the podcast. But then mm. that's another version of the story that then exists. So everyone that's now listened to the podcast is going to hear a version of the story. And for them, that's going to be the story that's true. Um, but it's not the whole of the truth because you've altered it. You've altered it based off of whom you perceive is going to be listening. What will they do with that info? But we do this all the time. Um, and mm. part of the question I was going to ask you just then is that you used to play in all these roles. And the question that came to me was, have you played so many roles that you've actually forgotten who you are? And mm. so you do the chameleon thing. I'll play this role because that's what that person yeah. needs. And I'll play this role. But then who are you when you're not playing any roles? And a question so, I ask on my Ascent program is, who are you between two thoughts? Which is a very powerful question. Um, and obviously, I can't wait to run your Ascent program with you. Uh, going back to what you're saying, you, you know, you're saying, is it that you've forgotten who you were? The truth is, Claire, I never knew who I was. And, and I don't think I'm alone in that. So, you know, all through my teens, all through my 20s, I, now, I'll interrupt because I believe, and this is just a belief, that we did know you did know who you were at a point in time. And then everybody else gets in and starts all the programming and starts doing all of the stuff that then you get disconnected. So part of our journey is reconnecting with the who, the you you already are, but we've just forgotten. So I think you know, but you may have forgotten and this journey is getting back through and clearing through all the stuff that's been programmed into you to reconnect with the true self. Well, that's uh, my belief. Yeah, and I guess I 
for me personally, I have a different belief. Um, I don't believe it's necessarily the same for everybody. Um, and it may simply be that I just don't remember who I was because some very uh, serious things happened to me when I was younger than uh, than many people are, as it were. So therefore, maybe I just I just don't remember because it was too far back. Although, of course, you know, I've done lots of uh, kind of, I don't want to say therapy necessarily, although some of it was therapy, I suppose. But, you know, yeah. Um, well, this is it. I think this is part of the journey. The journey is how how can you swim back to that point before um, before I think I mentioned that the logical song. You know, when you when you were there was a point as a kid where you were you, and then you became aware of. You know, we talk about the ego aspect. Then you became aware of that there's an an I somewhere in there, um, and it's two separate. Thing the, the ego becomes a its own thing now, and now instead of sharing, you know, I want, I grab, I want. I, so even as a kid, we have this this sort of connection with the ego at some point because we get socialized into 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 believing that, and we adopt it, and it becomes a part of us. Now it's like, can you get back to a place before that split happened? And I know things like Zen. Part of that idea about enlightenment, that's the whole point, is to connect back to, you know, before you had this split and became dualistic. Um, it's about the unity, the one. So that's part of that journey. Um, and there's several other journeys that is about reconnecting with your true self or your um, the, the real you, your higher self. I mean, there's so many different names for it, but lots of different uh, spiritual practices and, and the like that, the goal, and though if I was in Zen, they would say we don't have a goal, <laughs> um, is this enlightenment, this reconnection with true self. I was doing some work earlier this year with, um, uh, damn, I just lost his name now. Um, it'll come back to me later. But his big thing was he, the only way you're going to reach a true self, reconnect with your true self is through meditation. So there's a big push to do the meditation and get through the monkey mind and all the noise. And it's only through meditation that you'll reconnect with your true self. And once you do hit it, boom, you get the big light and you're connected. And um, But in the Zen style, then you carry on with normal life. But this is the journey that, I, that well, this is what the spiritual teachers and gurus tell us, is that's the, that's the journey, which is reconnecting with your true self. Um, because we've become to believe a different story and become separate from ourselves. Yes, exactly. And a lot of the work that I do with with my clients is about finding their core sense. That's why my company is called Core Sense and you know the sort of the the modes I've developed and the techniques that I've kind of shared, it's all about reconnecting with your core sense. And so I guess identity is surface whereas going deeper connecting with your core or as you say, your higher self, or what have you? That's that may not be so easy to describe. It might be a feeling. It might be something that you can see visually in your mind, in your mind's eye, but you may not be able to describe it. And actually, going back to the book, so there's there's a couple of things that I wanted to to cover. So 
going back to the book, Your Mythic Journey, which we both picked up without talking to each other. It came kind of out of one of our early podcasts. We both went on Amazon, found this book and bought it completely independently, which I thought was brilliant. Um, And the interesting thing about when he talks, he's in the preface, he's got a personal note on personal mythology. And this is where these questions are coming from that, that we're talking about today. What's really interesting for me is that I virtually never read a preface in a book. Like I will go straight into chapter one, even if there's oh, the um, best bits to preface, man. <laughs> I, is, is, isn't that interesting? Even if there's a quote at the beginning of a chapter heading, I won't even read the quote. Mm. And I don't know why I won't do that. Um, and given that I studied English literature for O level and A level and, and love looking at language and dissecting language. So it's really interesting that I literally, and I mean virtually never read the preface. Is that because you're impatient? You just want to get to the meat of it? Maybe it so is. I want to just Maybe jump right in. Is. I just want to get right Give into it. Give me the good stuff. Who's got time? I don't have time to be reading a preference. Forget this introduction BS. Let me just get right to the meat. <laughs> and yeah, I, exactly. I think, and I guess also yeah. I think, well, if it was that important, you'd have put it in the actual book. Yeah. So maybe I read one at one point that was absolutely pointless or something. And yeah, then could be. that was, you know, what I, I decided that was never going to do. I think I read them because then they tell the origin of why they wrote what they wrote. And I'm always interested in the, the origin story. So why are you doing what you're doing? Mm. Which then makes me either believe you or don't believe you. And so, yeah, so, it, yeah, I think that's why I read them. Um, like, like they go, he goes into great detail in here and his preferences again about the origin story of why doing and approaching this work um yeah but yes no that's interesting so carry on Mm, well and obviously we've sort of mentioned origin story a few times and it's not a phrase i normally use um but i really all our comic book fans out there well exactly and as part of being if I say part of my family is in with my husband who introduced me to films in a big way, like I'd never seen before. Um, and my two boys, you know, we really like the Marvel um, films. So anything to do with um, the Avengers. And obviously there are now like, well, there's probably not hundreds, but it feels like there's hundreds of films and they all have their origin story. And, um, you know, these sort of really kind of big characters uh, who allow you to explore different parts of yourself. And I love that. And we've actually never talked about that before. Um, but I love the Marvel. Yeah, I love all of the Marvel films, I think, um, which is really interesting. But going so going back to the personal but also, but mythology. But yeah, no, you're, the, the Marvel stuff ties into this. And the reason... Totally, well, the, totally. Yeah, the, the connection to it is because it's the mythology in it. They hit, and we talked about the hero's journey yeah. last week. I mean, that yeah. you're seeing the archetypes being played out on screen for yeah. you. Even if you never studied an archetype and before heard or young or Joseph Campbell or any of that, and this was Campbell's point was that these are universal, um, or, or, or young call them archetypes, they're universal, and you know you recognize them, um, mm-hmm. and so that's what you see in films. You're this is tapping on some internal um, mechanism of the human, and so you resonate with it because you see these archetypes being played out in a dramatic way mm-hmm. um, on the on the screen. And it has to be dramatic, which is what filmmaking is all about. Filmmaking and drama is about heightening 
those human characteristics, those human foibles. I mean, you think about Shakespeare. I mean, his stuff exists through time because he was really good at really bringing to light these, you know, this internal thing that's driving us and tapping into those mechanisms and pulling on those strings and that you're able to experience and live through and see yourself in that without having to go through it necessarily personally in some of the things like you think about Macbeth and but we're all have had you know this mm-hmm. pride and jealousy and those kind of things but you know I don't have to go and you know kill anybody <laughs> to, yeah. to experience what that might feel like um in that so yeah so um so it's all relevant I think um mm, and this connection so. here extremely so and you know I think of sort of my two boys who as I say they're sort of they're teenagers so they've seen a lot of these films and won't have obviously understood them at all levels or or possibly even any levels they've just enjoyed the story but that is part of you know what my boys have had growing up and um in fact it was really interesting I can't remember when Spider-Man came out and I, I don't obviously mean the original um, or even the original remake, I suppose. But the the, the recent Spider Man is probably what two years old, three years old. It might be a little bit more. Um, so my fifteen year old really identifies with the uh, the lead actor in that, and I can't remember his name. Um, is it Tom? Someone. I don't know. I mean, there's been so many remakes yeah. of the Spider-Man story. I don't know which one you're talking about. Okay, I mean, it was so, Tobey well, so Maguire. Are you talking about the cartoon the one? Are you talking about the, um, the uh, yeah, there's so many. Yeah. yeah. So, well, so this one, and it was because, you know, as I say, he must have been about maybe 12, 13, whatever. Um, and he just suddenly got it. You could see he watched this film and it was just like, oh, I could be like that you know that's me because it was it was a, essentially a young boy um and it was really interesting to see really interesting and I kind of almost think he's he's going to live out the next kind of 10 years of his life um replaying you know the archetypes from all the Marvel films but you know that's just I mean it's quite a, cl- a clever thing and, and again this is maybe part of the thing that we've lost and, you know, reading books like this personal mythology um, but in the other books we introduced people to last week, the reason to go back to that, because we've, we've divorced ourselves from it and maybe it's returning back to it. Because I think even before we even started the podcast, I was asking you the question, what archetype um, you most embody? And I've related to you about my connection with Gandalf and the Lord of the Rings and this with the wizard, the, you know, the wise old man kind of... Uh, the wizard or the magician in the tarot was my thing in terms of the archetype that plays out its most in me. And like your son is connecting with that archetype mm-hmm. of what he might represent. Right and one of the big drivers for me as a kid, the reason why I went into the army um, and did some of the things I did there was, you know, I was really into my sort of uh, heroic fantasy books, which was all about good versus evil there's a warrior, there's a wizard, there's a trickster, all these major archetypes, you know, are brought dramatically to life. So whereas you might see them in life very subtly, when you look at it through the lens of fiction, you know, this heightened, this over, this over dramatized. So, um, and even in when I was reading those books, I didn't always, 
I didn't connect with, I was never, my connection wasn't always with the hero. It was usually with the side character mm-hmm. and the more, the lone wolf, <laughs> the guy that, you know, this mysterious guy that, you know, comes on the scene, kick all kind of ass and, and, but nobody knows a lot about him. That was the guy that always resonated. So I never, I resonated with the Han Solos of the world, not the Luke Skywalkers or, um, yeah. you know, so it was always that character that was the most intriguing to me. Um, and the most one that I probably act out the the most <laughs> um, in those. And then my other big one that was huge influence was Conan, who's an anti-hero in that sense, Conan the Barbarian. Um, Not a story I know at all. Yeah, it's a comic. Uh, it's a it was a comic basically and i know people have seen arnold schwarzenegger's version of conan but not that version that was hollywood version and i was <laughs> well into the books that were written by a guy named robert e howard um who invented this character called conan um, but he was you know a, a barbarian but essentially was the anti-hero um and i always you know him i mean i worshipped him basically this anti-hero <laughs> i mean i have all his books in fact you know how much, how important he was into me, to me, is that uh-huh. like my mom was, you know, was very high into sort of sort of Christian stuff, so she's very much into that. So, and because I read all these fantasy books, she called them demon books. She hated them. <laughs> um, Sorry, and, I- well, no, no, no. It's, I mean, I, I laugh as well, but she absolutely hated these things. She called them, you know, demon books, devil books, or whatever. It's a bit uh, like I feel about my boys gaming. Yeah, but, but I mean, but I guess that she's seen how important to them. She didn't forbid me to have them. But when I left home to go to West Point, she threw all of them out. But no. I had a huge collection, which kind of sucked. But the ones she knew that I probably would have never spoke to her ever again was the Conan. So she saved every single Conan book. The and she threw the rest out without asking you. Yeah, she threw all the rest out or gave them away, whatever wow. she did to it. But she knew the how important the Conan ones was to me, and she kept those because mm. that would have definitely caused a massive rift. That's how connected to this character um, I was. Um, and even now that I'm saying that, and we're going all into my past here, um, mm. I wrote an English paper on this and the Conan in there, and... I think I was so connected to it that in the margins, my English teacher was a little bit concerned. <laughs> and this was oh, at really? university. Yeah, he was like, hey, do you still believe this? Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so, um, again, then you start to learn, okay, do I need to um, share, you know, do I need to alter the narrative if, you know, people are going to then have this kind of reaction to things. But that's how deep that kind of character uh, resonated with me this anti-hero wow. and what he was all about and but it but and it was probably you know I can trace this right back to my mom again because he was an independent guy and well he would pray every now and then he was like oh God only helps those who help himself so he didn't even depend on the the gods to help him out and you know he was always into adventure and yeah so um, and that was you know the model of my um life was to go off and be like Conan and have these adventures and explore things and search after treasure and all sorts of stuff <laughs> that was my my driver. See, and that's so time. interesting. So mm. so the, the, the lead character you identify most with is an anti-hero. Mostly you identify with a sidekick. Um, I would say, although actually I don't know, but I think you've got a clearer 
vision in some respects as to who you are than I have about me. Because when I was growing up, I would, I mean, I was a voracious reader and anything I would read, you know, I would absolutely be that lead character whilst I was reading the book and then probably for some time afterwards, um, you know, and kind of I'd probably mix it with another book because I'd be straight on to another book. Um, you know, whether it was Heidi, who was up in the mountains, you know, milking goats and what have you, which, I mean, you know, I was in North, uh, well, I was in West Yorkshire, rather, I lived in <laughs> Leeds. And although I was on the outskirts of Leeds towards North Yorkshire, it was a city. <laughs> I didn't have any goats. Um, you know, so it might have been Heidi or, you know, it, it, equally it might have been, and I'm trying to think of somebody else now, but, you know, it might have been the railway children. I might have been a, um, you know, a character who was a, an evacuee from the war, which, of course, I, I you know, you know, I'm clearly not old enough to be. Um, so I would take on anything and everything. And, and that's why it's kind of it's hard to find who am I at the center and I think it's only now that I'm really starting to um not just embody who I am but how do I put it it's like I'm starting to feel it with every fiber of my being and whilst I've had glimpses of this before um almost like kind of an energy inhabiting me and, and then it goes away again it feels like it's it's growing and it's more consistent and I'm more and more connected with who I really am but only time will tell yeah no it's good and then mm. how did you get on with some of these questions then from yeah the book? well which so because I, I, I mean of, I did two sets I know you were you were you kind of fixated on the the ones in the pre- prefix, but I quickly well, jumped back to the uh, viewpoint one, and that has that actually delivered up some real valuable dividends for me over the course of uh, the past um, week. But how did you get on with these, or what did you do with those questions in the the preface? So I literally, I at the moment I've got an A4 book that I'm using for my journal, um, and as now, I can't remember if this is a podcast that we've released or we've just talked about, but, you know, both of us spend time in the morning doing reflection or meditation or I call it synchronization, whatever it happens to be. And then I will do my kind of my morning notes, as it were. And so I, I was doing it in this book um, and I, I wrote out all of the questions and there was 19. Um, so I, I, I answered them pretty much off the cuff as it were which is because I wanted to see what would come out um and that was kind of interesting in itself but yeah there was there was some that I just didn't get at all like how close should I be to my mother father brother sister wife husband cousin son daughter lover and friend I was like hmm and and I should say I was answering this very much kind of from a, a where I am now as opposed to a well-being coach which is a role I play um, because I can understand that question is relevant if you're in a relationship that is too comfortable or uncomfortable in any way. But for me, thinking, well, what does that mean? It's part of my personal mythology. 
I kind of don't get that. Mm. But I think it's just that I've probably thought about it previously and kind of moved on. If I say um, the context yeah, of those questions you? would be, and these are universal questions that you tend to ask as a society. So you can take all those questions. And I know we had lots of debates in the beginning before we started the podcast about philosophy. You didn't see yourself as a philosopher, but those are philosophical questions that are in that list there. So, you know, where did I come from? Where do humans come from? These are inquisitive questions. And, you know, if we go back to Joseph Campbell, where did I come from? There's Genesis in the Bible. Um, take any uh, major religion or culture, they'll have a origin story. They'll have a, where did I come from? An answer to the, where did I come from? So, you know, I guess if you're a Christian or whatever, where did I come from? Well, Adam and Eve and, you know, God is where I came from. Um, so the, so that, what did you answer for that? Sorry, um, but I'm... I, I didn't answer these questions because I got fixated on the other ones. But, ah, I, but I so can, you jumped into... So so I read the preface, no, I read which the I never preference, do. And yeah, I, no, but and I read the questions. And I, I read it and, and I, actually did the questions. You, who normally reads the, reads the preface, read it, but then went off and did questions in chapter one. Yeah, because all of these questions I could answer. I could give you an answer for any one of these questions if you asked me those questions now like yeah. right on the spot, which which I was kind of relying on and I knew that I could answer. But I know that that would be, because because these are very philosophical questions and questions that yeah, come yeah. up again and, and different, or, and you could almost, in, in, in a lot of these, um, you can, we could spend a lot of time on them if we go to the depth that you would in terms of kind of uncovering us. So where did I come from? Yeah. You know, I, I do believe that uh, from the where did I come from, um, just that we are sort of spiritual kind of beings and that there is a sort of um, uh, intelligent design to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know we wanted to have a conversation, maybe a part, future podcast about what's the question that drive you? Because my question yeah. that drives me is, you know, <laughs> what's, why, why are we here is a question that drives me um, in that end. Yeah, so, you know, if you look at that, just that first list of questions, where did I come from? Uh, why is there something rather than nothing? Why is there evil in the world? What happens to me when I die? Uh, yeah, don't who? read them all out. Yeah, be. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, but that's just to give people the, a flavor for the kind of questions. And I think mm. these are just suggested fundamental questions. I think he, he, he suggests that they are. Uh, and, in fact, I think they came from Frank Water's book of The Hoppy. Um, which is where he got these questions from. Yeah, it was one of the ones he referred to, I think. And, yeah. and he basically, he kind of did a, a variety of research and then pulled out these 19 yeah. as kind of core cool questions, which is the one thing I was thinking, what a shame there weren't 20. Yeah, well, there you go, 19. There's an insight one. into where I'm at sometimes. Yeah. Um, but, but yes. I mean, they're interesting I, questions to work your way through if you're trying yes. to, which I think is... Here's the importance of these questions for me, and this is part of where we started this whole conversation is, um, when you answer these questions, how much of the answer is because of something you've been told or taught, mm. and then how much of the answer have that you've intellectually won? You've done a ton of research on, a ton of reflecting, a ton of meditating and contemplating um, on that particular question and developed an answer that seems reasonable to you. So that's, and this is where I think the author is, is the pushes um, to get you to 
do that. So yeah, whatever all the things that go into you that's gone into you to contemplate that question and you know where are your sources, where are you sourcing from in terms of where did you come from? I mean, what would, what might that mean to you? Um, knowing where the source of the answers or the sources to the answers to those questions, you know, come from. Yeah, if you ask me that question, where did I come from? You know, in the beginning of my life, it would I would regurgitate to you what you know my parents told me was where we came from. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it'd be great for you. Maybe you ask your kids that they're closer to you, they're still there. Because you know, part of the thing would be, well, what stories have you told them that they now believe as true? Because you believe them as true, that might not necessarily be true, but they're designing their life around. That will be very interesting, actually. And, I, yeah. Yeah. and I at think some that point, might be a good Friday night discussion. Yeah, because at some point, you know, they'll discover their own answers and they'll start having mm-hmm. questions and doubting, well, mom said this, but actually my experience in life thus far isn't living up to that answer that I was believed from my mom or my parents mm-hmm. or my dad. And so just like we've done, we start to question the things that, our parents taught us or the, our teachers taught us. We start questioning those things because we're, we're having experiences in the world that are giving us different information and mm. that's, that's, pulling, that's pulling apart or picking at the fabrics of things that we believe so strongly that we believe that they were true to us. Um, yeah, and actually we've always brought ours up to, or we've always encouraged them to work out what's right for them. Um, however, of course, that might give them not just a different perspective, but it, you know, it might have different if an, a different effect on them, you know, but because they might this. go, well, how if, do I know what's true? If my mum doesn't know what's true, how do yeah, I know? Yeah, but here's the thing. That's conscious stuff that you've taught them. What's mm, the unconscious stuff that you've taught them? And that's mm. the thing that's going to be resonant. They're hearing what you're saying, and they're intelligent kids, and they're logically processing it. But what's the internal conversation that they're having that's trying to reconcile what you're saying to them and what they've picked up from you subconsciously that you don't even know that you're transmitting? That's mm. where the real interest yeah, exactly. game comes in. And you can see it sometimes. I mean, obviously, I... You know, I see a lot and I think, oh, you know, for all your good intentions, it doesn't matter, you know, who you are or how much you've studied or how much, you know, how you try to be careful. Um, as exactly as you say, you know, your kids pick up things. I'm sure you see it with your two as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. But, I mean, you know, you can't, I mean, because the thing is, we're only human, right? You only know mm-hmm. how you're just being, you're being a human. Being a human in the best way that you know how, um, which is going to be based off of how you've been raised, which is going to be based off of the experiences that you've had. Uh, and there is no instruction manual that comes with babies that says, "Okay, do this, do that, do this." Um, and so you're, well, yeah, and so you're raising them in the best way that you know how, or what you believe to be, that's going to set them up the best um, po- for possible success. Um, in the world as they go through, but you're only really basing that off of your your experience, your past, what's mm. gone into you, and what you've what you've internalized to make true. Um, and yeah, and at some point, you know, they'll and it's going to happen because they're human too. You know, some things they'll keep, some things they'll rebel against, 
Um, and, you know, that's just, that's just the circle of life. That's how that kind of goes. And then when they have kids, you know, they'll, they'll strip out the things they didn't like that you talked yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put in the things that they like. <laughs> yeah. And the circle continues. Um, and so, yeah. You know, and, and, you know, when I look back on, you know, how we, you know, raise the kids and, you know, to be inquisitive, that again, they can do whatever it is they set their mind to and make their own decisions and, um, you know, encourage them to try different things, um, you know, and if they didn't like it, you know, try something else. So, I mean, that's how, but I wasn't necessarily raised that way. For me, you weren't allowed to quit things. So my world was very black and white. You started it. You're gonna do it until you die, <laughs> um, or you know, die in it. Um, you're gonna eat every little drop of thing off of your plate, or you're not. You know, I have to sit. You know, I hated liver, but I would have to sit at the table for hours until I ate all that liver. I wasn't allowed to get up and I had to eat it all. Luckily, oh. I luckily I got wise, um, and I just started dropping little drops of the dog. <laughs> and the dog. But I wouldn't do it too fast because, you know, you have to make it feel like you've eaten it. And so, you know, I got I got wise to that. So that's how I got through eating um, oh, liver. Um, but, you know, there's all these little things that, you know, will go into um, a kid's sort of self uh, sub, uh, subconscious that, you know, Absolutely. shapes who they are based off of who you were. Um, yeah. And, that, you know, that other thing I think I think – in relationship to you can't tell who you are until someone else was this uh, listening was the Ubuntu that I am because you are uh, which is an African saying uh, which I always thought was a very beautiful saying um, mm. in terms of I am because you are um, and you see it play itself out just in your normal life I mean your interactions with someone is a reflection of who you are and you reflect you know all that it's almost a dance even when you meet a stranger, you know, this, this you know, you meet a, you know, you see a stranger um, and you're going to have a reaction to that stranger for all number of reasons, the way they look, the color of their skin, what they're wearing, uh, whether they're tall, whether they're short. And then, you know, and it's not the person. And I know we're going to, I think I may have put on Trello or I have it in my notes that for us to do um, some shadow work episode on the book called the dark side of the light chasers um and in that book she talks about that you know your shadow side is reflected in the things that you are adverse to or have negative reactions to in real life so if you see something in someone that you dislike it's because you're afraid that that same characteristic may be visible in you and it's something mm, that you absolutely impress. i think um, that'll make a great episode yeah actually. no absolutely so i think it's um this, you know, you are because I am, me and my interaction with you helps me to understand even better who I am and our interactions with each other. Because you bring a mm. set of experiences to the table and the things that you're coming through and the things that I see in you. You know, I have to stop sometimes and question, you know, why am I reacting to what you've said in this way or how you're being? Why am I reacting that way? Does that say more about me than it does about you? Um and so I have to then take that trend to say, okay, where is that coming from? I could spin it around and we can go, okay, well, let's, let me dive deeper in with you to ask the question to bring that out in you. So what's the driver behind that? But, you know, my first point of call, okay, well, why am I having a reaction to that even to begin with? Mm. Um, so just yeah. to say, I, I love the, uh, the uh, um, how do you pronounce it? Um, uh, 
Ubuntu phrase. Yeah, the Linux guys, I know that as a, I think they've adopted as one of the versions of Linux, but yeah, Ubuntu. Oh, well, I, I think that is beautiful. I am because you are. And I think going back to the question you asked me earlier in the episode, um, you know, kind of a where's my lack of confidence kind of come from? And actually, it's probably because of that. Whereas, and so when you asked the original question, which was, I can't remember, I, I should have had the, the things. So so there's an original question and, and the, the way you shared that or the way you phrased that, I reacted to because I am so clear that my lack of confidence is because I didn't know who I was. You know, I did not, never mind my identity, I did not know who I was and what I was bringing to things. Whereas the Mbutu phrase is is much more beautiful. It's much more about the dance of life. It's much more in balance. Um, and so I, I guess you respond to these things exactly as you said. You know, it's a what's in you that's causing you to respond in this way at this time. So yeah, I, absolutely. I think that's probably quite almost a, a good it, place for us to finish on, actually. I was going to say, because you mentioned about sort of, you know, a big, so... I do draw a distinction between personal development and self-development. And if anything, I'm more into self-development and personal growth than I am into personal development. Um, and so the self-development and the inquiry. So for me, the interesting nugget then is to, so that I can enhance who I am, is to explore that that thread, why am I reacting this way? What is it in me? What are all the experiences that has led up to that point that's caused me to react this way? And then I can understand that, like, you know, all the stuff that I told you about my mom and where all that came from. I mean, I'd spend a lot of work, which I called um, chasing the breadcrumbs, chasing these breadcrumbs mm -hmm. back. And I was like, well, why do I have this desire to succeed in this way? What's the driver behind that? So that's, you know, that started that, you know, that sort of series of inquiry on. And then as I started tracing the breadcrumbs back to the origin of where that may have come from, um, that came out. And I've seen something that you wrote earlier about values. I've done the same thing with what, what are my core values. But I did the mm. breadcrumb exercise as opposed to um, an intellectual exercise. It's like, okay, well, what's, you know, I love reading books, but why? Why do mm -hmm. I, you know, I'll yes. read a book on anything. Um, and it's because I have, I love knowledge for knowledge's sake. I don't even care to do anything with it. Um, you, know, I'll, you know, I have all these books back in, and it's not like, you know, I want to be an academic on this subject, so I have all these books. I got books on everything. Hmm. And, and sometimes I'll get a book and read it just because. I have no intention on doing anything with it, but I just and love knowledge for knowledge's sake. Don't even care mm. if I can apply it to anything. It doesn't have to be tied to anything. It's just, ooh, that's interesting. Boom, mm -hmm. and there I go, and I'm off on it. But that's, you know, and again, trace that. I trace that back. Um, you know, I, you know, books have been so important to me that, but I also had trauma from the books mm. as a kid. And because I was learned how to read at a very young age, and I read crazily, when I was in school, um, as a kid, I was in like kindergarten or whatever, I had to go up to third grade to read 
because I was that far ahead of my wife. Yeah. yeah. But that, all I saw as a kid was you're taking away from me from my friends. I got to go hang out with all these big kids. Um, and I didn't fit in with all these bigger kids. So I hated that journey. And so while the system was rewarding me because I was ahead in my reading, internally it was traumatizing. I had to leave all my friends and go hang out with all these big kids. <laughs> but luckily there was one that latched onto me. Vegas was his name, or Vega Vargas or something like that. Um, he taught me so much. Um, but I think if, I, if he hadn't taken me under his wings, you know, I would have come out that worse for wear, even though, you know, the teachers and parents were thinking they were doing something good for me. Um, and, I, and I'm 50-something years old, and I still remember that kid's name. That's mm. how much of an impression it was on me. Um, for And, you know, he'll probably have no idea the impact he had on my life um, mm-hmm. all, all these many years. Um, and the teachers won't know the impact <laughs> of making me go up those grades um, to do the sort of reading and English stuff. So, yeah, um, I know you were, when, yeah, so self-development, personal development, and we're so, just about wrapping this up. Yeah. Absolutely. So I think we should delve actually more into the self-development versus personal development because I do use the terms interchangeably. And actually it's probably time that I didn't. So let's do another, whether we explore that offline or do another episode. But just to, to share a couple of things picking up. So I also have a liver story. Um, we didn't eat liver very much, I don't think, but there was one time when my poor mother, and I say poor mother, my poor mother made liver. And my brother and I, so there's there's only 13 months between my brother and I. Um, and we sat there and we tried our best and it was absolutely disgusting, like revolting shoe leather. I eat just, I can still feel it in my mouth to this day. And we sat there, we kind of looked at each other and we were trying to get through this meal. And it clearly was just the two of us. I think mum must have been waiting for dad to come home to have dinner with him or what have you. um, We couldn't, we didn't know what to do because we didn't have a dog. We didn't have any pets. There was nothing we could do. We, the, the bin was at the other end of the kitchen. There was no plant pot to hide anything in. Like we just were chewing and chewing and chewing and thank goodness somebody rang the doorbell I don't know who I don't know what it was in I was just I remember the doorbell went and mum went to answer the door and my brother and I just kind of put our knives and forks down and looked at each other and then we started to giggle and we just started to giggle and giggle and giggle and we were laughing and we were like can't eat this what are we going to say what are we going to do we don't know and these two you know little dots were kind of giggling away and kind of by the time mum had come and you know back into the house and shut the door as it were I I don't know how we made the link or the leap or even had the audacity to do this but we were running up and down the hall singing we weren't shouting we weren't screaming we were just singing she's trying to poison us this poison this poison this poison and even to this day and as you say well you know I'm 50 so probably 45 years old I remember that as vividly as anything and one of the defining moments of my brother and I in unison (laughs) sadly not 
appreciating the food that my mother had put on the table. Yeah. See, I would have been, I probably wouldn't be talking to you right now if I had done that. Yeah. I'd be dead. <laughs> I yeah. would have been dead. <laughs> so, Thankfully, uh, my mum was full of yeah. compassion and yeah. I don't know how no, we got away with it really. But no <laughs> Right. So, yes. Her. Yes. Yeah. We better so, wrap this up. Go for yeah, it. Yeah. We better. So, for us. I hope that's been of interest to people. I hope um, that. You know, we've obviously shared quite a lot and probably more personally than than we've shared before in many respects. But, yeah, I I think we would both recommend getting a copy of this book, Your Mythic Journey. It's, you know, it's going to take you on a journey. And actually, if you've never done anything like this, um, it certainly helps you do that. So if you, you know, if you're somebody who's happy to, to get books and work through them, then do go ahead and, and read the preface, the preface, rather, read the preface answer the questions all the way through <laughs> or dip in and out as you please because that's the whole point mm-hmm. you're the one that's actually at choice in your life so thank you ever so much for listening to this episode it's been a little departure i think in a way from what we've done before although um it's kind of evolved uh come over and hang out with us in our facebook group the wisdom experience podcast the, there is a page that is really where we notify people, but come into the group to really start having a question around the topics that we're raising and sharing things, you know, from your perspective and uh, what you're learning, what you're understanding and questions that you have so that we can answer those and talk about those in future episodes. Yeah, definitely. Hang out in the group. I think we're going to start to push that as a good place to as a hangout. Mm. I mean, we have other spaces, but it's just too diverse. But if we can hang out as a group in the community um, in that spot, I think that'd be good. Yes, Uh, I agree. We'd like that, wouldn't we? Yeah. (laughs) Cool, right. right. So thank you very much. And we'll, yeah, thanks for listening. And well, hopefully hear you again next week.